does the curling team only get laid at the Winter Olympics? Answer me this, answer me this. Why isn't Kim Kardashian's sex tape on Netflix? Answer me this, answer me this. Last episode, listeners, we set you the challenge of naming this tune. Turns out it was a very easy challenge because loads of you got it right. Yeah, but I still didn't. I, I spent two weeks thinking about it, thinking of nothing else, and I still didn't. Yeah, get it. I'm glad should you should have list- gone to work. <laughs> I'm glad you got in touch and let us know what it yeah. is because I was scratching my head. Legions of you told us that it was play school. Play school. But Mark on Twitter was the first of those legions, and other people have specified that it was play school in the mid to late eighties. Not only did this tune jog many of your memories, it also jogged some of you to want to know about other tunes. Hi, this is Abby from Plymouth um, and Mary, but she's not here. Um, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. What is this song? It's driving us mad. It goes like... No idea what it is. Martin, Martin, as someone who has covered this song on a public recording forum, would you like to reveal the name of the song? It's called Spanish Flea and it's by Herb Alpert and Tawana Brass. Well, it's not actually. It's by a man called Julius Wechter, but he wrote it for Herb Alpert. It's popularised by Herb Alpert and Tawana Brass. Yeah. And it became just something that DJs use when they're ironically soundtracking an underwhelming feature. Yeah, but, but, but it so popularly up. so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard it so many times, I had no idea it was called that. It doesn't sound remotely Spanish. Well, the Spanish flea was uh, an aphrodisiac. Ah. Time. Well, Spanish fly was, and I wonder whether Spanish flea is a mockery of Spanish fly. Nice. Hello, this is Joe in Seattle. Uh, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Is the O in C-3PO, is it really like the letter O, or is it really a zero? I assume it's the letter O, because otherwise he'd be called C-3P-0. Yeah, which doesn't sound as good. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it is the letter O. And uh, the harebrained theory that I've read, which may be correct, I don't know, is that George Lucas named it after the square of the map C3 in which his town's post office, P.O., appeared. But why why would you choose that as a thing to name something? Martin, I can't remember anything about Star Wars anymore. Is there a reason why C3PO would have a postal connection? No, but he sort of sneaks references to... Like his own history into his films. So I don't know what R2-D2 means, but I can imagine... R2-D2 is an abbreviation of real to, dialogue to. So that seems like a filmmaker term. I just realised, like one minute into this conversation, that whilst we've been thinking of C-3PO, I was thinking of R2-D2. That's how little I'm familiar with Star Wars. C-3PO is the golden man that looks like a living Oscar. It's like a sort of golden camp butler. so irritating, that character. I really like him, actually. What what is there to like? It's a bit of light relief against all the sort of, you know, empire and stuff. Comparatively light relief in that it's not so terribly boring you want to die. No, no, not Star Wars. Not even as a kid. Not even as a kid. I didn't really watch it as a kid, so I think that's why. In fairness, I only came to Star Wars age 16 when they were re-released, but yeah. God, it's boring. <laughs> oh, I'm not even fake politics about a fake world with nothing happening and then the odd spaceship. Like the Sun newspaper, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, in fairness, I don't know if I'm mellowing in old age with regards mm. to this. Unlikely. Um, but um, I did, over Christmas, watch The Hobbit on Netflix. That's Whoa, terrible. really? Yeah, that's and that's terrible. something that it didn't appeal to me at all for the reasons I've just outlined about all fantasy genre how did you get through that because we flaked out at 40 minutes in and martin actually likes that yeah um 
I think because it's kind of closer to a soap opera than a fantasy film in that nothing really happens for quite a long time. No, it bloody doesn't. That's 40 minutes stop- in, they're washing the dishes, that's singing a song stopped. about oh. it. Yeah, I thought, oh. these people are rude, they're messy eaters, now they're cleaning, I'm going. I just, I, did, I watched it in two chunks, so it was like watching two normal length films. Is that why they've stretched it into three abnormally long films, so that it's like six normal length films? Yeah, or like six episodes of sort of Hobbit Coronation Street, effectively. Oh. I, quite, I quite like, I mean, I didn't hate it, and I didn't love it, but I thought it was okay, and really? I would be prepared to go and see the sequel in the cinema. That's amazing because that's one of the worst fantasy films I've ever seen, and Star Wars is a much better film than The Hobbit. Did you see the Lord of the Rings films? I made it through the first two, and then just couldn't be asked to see the third one because they were better than The Hobbit because they did yeah. not really have so much uh, table manner violation. <laughs> so many bloody songs. That's the worst thing about talking. These stupid poems and songs. I know it's all you know, old English. You know references to that, stuff, but it's really tedious. Theory as well about the Hobbit, and I have not even bothered to Google this because I'm not really interested. I'm just sharing it with you. This was you know you're opening up a minefield in the oh, correspondence. Fanboys, I don't care what you think because I don't like you. Tough shit. You're going to hear about it in this, two weeks. But this, <laughs> but this is what I thought watching it. Just okay. my observation. All right. Um, plot wise, I thought. If Gandalf can just solve everything by turning up all the time, why doesn't he just deliver the fucking thing himself? Well, that's the, but that's like God, isn't it? Yeah. Like, why would God create war and evil? It's a test, yeah. Gandalf. Also, maybe Gandalf's lazy. There is an explanation. That's not the observation that I wanted to make. Right. The observation I wanted to make is, in the scene with Christopher Lee, yeah. where he, Kate Blanchett, and I think Ian McKellen, are sitting around the table and they're discussing what to do about the dwarfs and the orcs and, I don't know, the other white people. In The Hobbit. In The Hobbit Part yeah. 1, yeah. Um, it was noticeable to me that Christopher Lee, when he was talking, was hardly ever in close-up. There were a lot of shots that were the wide angle or a computer-generated background Mm. or a reaction shot from the other cast when he was talking. And I wondered, is Christopher Lee now so old that actually he just kept screwing things up? And obviously you want Christopher Lee in your picture because he's Christopher Lee, but maybe he's not very good anymore. Maybe he doesn't want close-ups because he had big paws or something. But there were a few, so you knew it was Christopher Lee. Or maybe he had a big facial tattoo since the last Lord of the Rings film and they thought, well, that would make this film obviously post-dated. No, no, there were a a few close-ups, but it just wasn't when he was talking, which made me think he was ballsing up his lines. So not as many as when Kate Blanchett was talking in the same scene, right? So like I said, I can't be bothered to look into it, but I wonder if that is true. I don't know, the aging might be a thing because that film's set, what, like... 80 years before Lord of the Rings yeah. uh-huh. and yet over 10 years since they filmed it mm. so there might be a thing where he's obviously looks a lot older I mean he was in pretty good fat all for Lord of the Rings I think Right. maybe he's just not maybe he's looking like a really old man oh, well, like I say don't care just happy to broadcast my thought on that mm. one wow another Ollie Mann conspiracy theory for the ages <laughs> <laughs> add it to the, the book the first of the year huzzah here's a question from a character who sounds a bit like someone from Tolkien it's Laura in Locks Heath Mm. Doesn't that sound like uh, somewhere in the Shire? Locks Heath, sort of. Laura. No, Laura, not so much. Yeah. No. If it was like Laurel. Laurence a lot. Laurel with a stupid surname, like yeah. Lor- Laurel uh, Figgin Bell. Anyway, back down to earth, because this isn't a question about anything fantastical. Right. It's about chilli con carne in genitals. She exciting. says, I just made some chilli con carne. Helen, answer me this. What's the best way to get chilli residue off your fingers so as not to start burning uh, sensitive areas of the body? I need to take my contacts out soon, so any help will be great. Interesting transition there, pronoun-wise. Get uh, chilli off your fingers. Sensitive (laughs) areas of my body I need. (laughs) Uh, Well, Laura, um, the hot maker of chilli, capsaicin, uh, is fat-soluble. So smear yourself in oil for instance rub it in for a couple of minutes then uh, wash your hands very thoroughly with soap and water a surfactant will do it like a so- soap is will lift grease oh, hold, hold on a minute you're saying you dip your fingers in because this happened to me we were with each other actually we were in a BBC studio and oh, I, I yeah. put a lot of Tabasco on my salad went for oh, a yes. wee oh god <laughs> and I was in some discomfort 
I'd, I've never more wanted to be uncircumcised than during that 15 minutes. Right. Or do you now carry around uh, tongs with which to handle your genitals after <laughs> a chili-laced meal? I should. Mm. Get some pissing gloves. Um, and the way I dealt with it, mm. I mean, this is crude. We're screaming on air. But no, no, the, <laughs> the way I dealt with it, I did go to the loo and I, I washed my willy under the tap. Yeah. Uh, I and thought did water would be. The... To come in? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that would be the best way to deal with it. Uh, are you saying water is not as good as oil? I would have been better off going to the salad bar and putting olive oil it's on it. It's not water soluble. Capsaicin isn't water soluble. No. So uh, if you get, if you're a victim of, let's say, pepper spray, yeah. the, the idea is that you douse yourself with milk. Wow. Yeah, because I never knew that. I thought it, water would be fine. No. Uh, it's, this is why when you have a hot curry, for instance, drinking water doesn't really calm it down. You, but if you drank, say, a mango lassi or ate some plain yogurt. Yeah. yeah. Or, or five tiger beers. Yeah, after that, the uh, yeah. the pain would just be a memory. If you got a question, got a question, email your question, email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. It's great, it's great. Here's a question from Melanie, who says, I've recently visited Florida and love all the food over there, like Denny's and IHOP, oh. International House of Pancakes, in case you're listening thinking, IHOP. I think there's so much food to eat in America, Melanie, that it seems weird to have specified this very unsophisticated palate of the Denny's and the IHOP. You know, we all like a bit of fast food, but there's so much to choose from there. If you're on holiday, why go for the really low-class stuff? Well, also, those are national chains, whereas a lot of the states have ones that are particular to that region. Yeah, could have gone for something a little wackier. Well, actually, if you want that kind of cheap canteen food in Florida, you could have gone to Shoney's. What's great about it is not the food, not the service or the environment. Um, <laughs> so you might think, why am I recommending this? It's the incredible price. I mean, it's, so you know how sometimes when something's so cheap, it's worth just going just to marvel at the price, like the first time I, you go to pound shop. I disagree. It's like those places on Shepherd's Bush Green where it's two pounds for all the curry you can eat. Yeah. I reckon that is not worth it even for that price. Well, Shoney's, okay, so they do an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet and <laughs> the quality of the food, I would say, is on a par with a good McDonald's breakfast. So is okay. that is that Denny's compatible? Would yes, you say? yeah, yeah, similar, similar food. But mm. what's incredible is it's something like five ninety nine for as much as you can eat of like pancakes, burgers, sausages, un- unlimited refillable coffee. I'd rather just spend six dollars and have like a normal meal. Yeah, yeah. So would I, but it's worth going <laughs> for the experience. Is what I'm saying. Well, Melanie says I brought back some Dunkin' Donuts coffee that I bought from Walgreens in an attempt to keep my America experience going at home. Yeah, it never works when you try and do that. Oh, I, I did American that with sweets. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, they taste like otherworldly here. Like, what yeah. seems reasonable there just feels obscene here. It's a bit like petrochemicals yeah, in your I... mouth. However, says Melanie, when I excitedly tried to make some of my Dunkin' Donuts coffee, I realised I bought coffee beans! Don't understand the problem. What's the problem here? You have to grind them. I don't have a coffee grinder! Oh, okay. So, Ollie, answer me this. What's the best way to still be able to drink this coffee without having to pay for another flight to the States? Help! Um, what? Coffee grinders are 15 grinder. quid at Argos. Yeah. You lunatic. <laughs> if you're really stuck, stuck, just bash it with a brick or something. Does that work? What about if you yeah. put your coffee beans through through a blender? I, I'm sure yeah. it's. I'm sure for coffee aficionados, that's insufficient. But it is Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Uh, I wonder if you did like you know when magicians take a watch and wrap it up in a napkin and bash it with a hammer. I wonder if you did that with coffee beans. Whether that would theoretically work. I mean, that's how you crush up biscuits to make rocky roads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that. I'd argue it's labour intensive, but perfectly fine if you're really stuck. Mm. Just buy the grinder, Melanie, because yeah, but- it's not just this bag of beans; it's future beans. Yes, although I wonder whether I, I'm making a judgment here on Melanie based on the fact that she went to America and her and- favourite thing. 
thing was IHOP and Denny's. Uh, in a world where there is in a Dis- world with- <laughs> where there is Disney's Animal Kingdom, you don't come back talking about the IHOP, do you? There are manatees in Florida. Exactly. Um, mm. There's or, NASA. Anyway, <laughs> there are pelicans everywhere. I'm making a judgment based on on that and the fact that Melanie has had this experience where apparently she's been foxed by some beans. I wonder, <laughs> just like Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> I wonder whether our solution of buy a coffee grinder is actually not enough for Melanie because I wonder whether she's ever had anything other than instant coffee. Ooh. Like maybe she then doesn't have a way of using ground coffee as well maybe she thought she was mm. buying instant in which case she not only has to buy of course a grinder but also a cafetiere or a coffee machine well cafetiers are pretty cheap i think well, they start still... about 10 quid yeah. you can put the, co- the look put the coffee beans in a sock whack it with a brick <laughs> and then just put that sock in some hot water until yeah. the liquid is brown Actually, yeah that would sort of work <laughs> the taste of america <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my point being she may have to spend 25 pounds even if she went to asda yeah. which of course is owned by walmart over yeah, here the point to um, keep it in the branding yeah. uh, which is maybe asking too much just to have a taste of florida but maybe not maybe I, not the thing is i've never really understood why people make such a fuss about dunkin donuts coffee anyway i've never had it it's fine that's what it is it's fine maybe people like like fine or i'd go further than fine it's better than starbucks it is the best it's starbucks right. is awful, better though. than starbucks better than mcdonald's it's stronger than the coffee you get in a, in a typical american roadhouse okay but not special really um mm. i think why it tastes particularly good dunkin donuts compared to other fast food joints in america is it the stink of donuts filling the air no oh. i don't I think it's unrelated to the donuts oh. i think it's basically they make it fresh they grind it fresh in the shop for you and in other fast food outlets uh, those ancient waitresses will leave that pot just on the hob for four hours which is its own kind of taste yeah but that's sort of slightly stale Mm. coffee whereas Dunkin Donuts is always fresh but the actual the mix of coffee that they have it's Arabica beans so what I mean you know that's standard coffee you can buy coffee here that's the same the other thing that I think might be to a Brit unusual about Mm -hmm. Dunkin Donuts is that of course Americans tend not to use milk in their coffee they tend to use creamer so mm. if you go to the States and you're not used to that, then you chuck in like five sachets of that diabetes causing <laughs> vanilla and God knows what. Right. And it tastes incredible because it tastes like a sweet. Okay. But you wouldn't want that every day and you haven't got that here. If you put normal milk in it, it's just going to taste like coffee. Okay, but you could get some creamer. And if you can't be bothered to buy the creamer on top of all the other investments we're forcing you to make, just use some Tipex or, or something. Or <laughs> this is actually a timely question indeed. Uh, because we are seeing a resurgence of Dunkin' Donuts here in the UK. What By resurgence, do you mean more than none? Yeah. When did we have them before quite recently? Uh, I think in possibly the early 90s, the last one shut, which was um, the one that's now called, I think, Donuts and Company, and it's in Piccadilly Circus. I've not seen that. We do have a Cinnabon in Piccadilly Circus, I've noticed, but I've not been in. Yeah, that's a recent edition. But anyway, Dunkin' Donuts as a brand is now back in the UK. The first one opened in Harrow in December, and the next one opens, if you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, tomorrow. From 8am on Valentine's Day, you can get in line in uh, the Dunkin' Donuts in Moulsham Street, Chelmsford. Melanie, and, uh, is that convenient for you? Because you go in there with your bag of beans going, help me! Yeah, because she's talking about going back to Florida to drink it. Why not go to Chelmsford? The or first, Harrow. The, or Harrow. The first 100 people in the queue at Chelmsford, says their local paper, uh, get a free Dunkin' Donuts goodie bag. You might be able to double the amount of coffee beans you've already got. You've got a coffee grinder, haven't you? I you, do. you went through a real beans phase. I did. Is it, is it noticeably superior to pre-ground coffee? Um, it's difficult to say because the experience is part of the fun. Like, you feel like you put the work in. That, that grindy noise. <laughs> yes. I'm guessing it's an electric one, not a cranky yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, I'm not a cranky kind of guy. No, you're I? not. Um, 
So then you feel like you've invested in the taste a little more. What I found actually makes the coffee taste better recently is using one of the traditional Italian sort of espresso things that goes on the hob. Yep. Yeah, those are fun. Where the, the water's kind of filtered through the coffee rather than vice versa. That tastes better, I is think. Is Melanie going to like that, though? Does that fit in with the IHOP Denny's well, again, taste profile? You know, it's another tenner she has to spend. You know, spending 50 quid to get a cup of coffee at the moment. <laughs> get a bus ticket to Chelmsford and go to Dunkin' Donuts. That's my advice. Treat yourself. Train. Why not? listening to this on the bus why not lean forward to that gentleman sitting next to you slowly lower your hand into his crotch wriggle it around and say oh hello i know your number 0208 123 5877 you saucy rascal Here's a question from Mark, who says, When I was growing up, there was the Duracell bunny. He was my best friend and we told each other everything. (laughs) He was always on the go. (laughs) These days, he seems to have defected to rival battery company Energizer. What? Mm. Answer me this. Did he really defect to Energizer? Or are Energizer batteries ripping off Duracell's intellectual property? Is that allowed? And are there any other rival companies that have done similar Or am I thick and they aren't rivals? You're not thick. Well, I don't know if you're thick. But on this point, you're not thick. They are rivals. Duracell and Energizer are not owned by the same company. They're not. Okay. Um, And you are correct in pointing out that there is an Energizer bunny and there is a Duracell bunny. Are they competitive bunnies? They are competitive bunnies. Are they the same colour? Because Duracell bunny's pink, isn't it? They are the same colour. Whoa! This is madness! How did this outrageous state of affairs come to be? I demand a fight Um, (laughs) to decide the one true bunny. (laughs) Mark is right to say the Duracell bunny was first. When was Duracell bunny born? 1973. Oh, gosh. Energizer bunny, 1989. So So there's no question that Energizer bunny ripped off Duracell, but there is a reason there is method in the madness. Is Energizer bunny the child of Duracell Bunny. Did Duracell Bunny have a child while they were still in school and so the family had them adopted out to Energizer? No, but that's uh, creative. (laughs) Thanks. Um, thanks. One obviously begat the other, but Energizer were always open about that. The reason this happened is that the Energizer Bunny is a parody of the Duracell Bunny. Right. And that was obvious in the original commercial campaign from 1989. By the way, if you haven't seen it, I should explain. (laughs) This is a very weird conversation. The Duracell Bunny commercial was a pink bunny banging on a drum. Yeah. And then there were other rival bunnies running on rival batteries, and they all died whilst they were playing the drum because they couldn't last as long as the Duracell bunny Mm -hmm. Uh, and so the campaign was and is and remains and actually if you think about it people use that term energizer bunny Duracell bunny to usually mean something that goes on and on and on so sometimes people talk about it in a sex context as well the the idea of the brand value was use Duracell it goes on and on and on use them in your vibrator yeah but basically (laughs) it was kind of part of it yeah um so actually, actually, if you think about what the advert was saying, right from the beginning, there were always rival brands of batteries running different bunnies because that's the whole context of the advert, isn't it? Yeah, presumably but... the Duracell bunny was there and other bunnies were running on Energizer. Yeah, but presumably the Energizer bunny, though, is not surrounded by Duracell-powered bunnies that are banging that drum for longer than it is. No, exactly. And, uh, well, and hence the parody. So what happened is mm-hmm. um, Duracell had a worldwide trademark on the Duracell bunny, but their intellectual property, their patent ended in 1989 and they forgot to renew it in North ah, America. Idiots. So the advertising PR company that were running Energizer, which at the time was the kind of uh, David to the Goliath of Duracell, were like, ha, look at this. They've forgotten to renew it. We'll do a piss-taking commercial. 
And so they did one with the Energizer bunny, completely ripping it out of the Duracell bunny. They opportunistically leapt on the possibility of buying the intellectual property of a bunny that runs on batteries. And in North America ran a series of campaigns that clearly were a joke about the Duracell bunny. But... What happened since then is Energizer have maintained that intellectual property in North America, which mm-hmm. is why here in Europe we still have the Duracell bunny, but in America, Duracell have started advertising in other ways. Have they got the Duracell guinea pig or something? Something like that, I don't know. And the Energizer bunny was such a success in and of itself that it's now become the logo of Energizer in the States. And although it's slightly cooler than the Duracell bunny, it wears shades. It's basically the Duracell bunny campaign. Like, it stopped being a parody now. Yeah, it's well, just d- humour doesn't last that exactly. long. Exactly. So anyone born in America in the last 25 years thinks that the Energizer bunny was the original battery-powered bunny campaign, but it wasn't. They've just ripped it off. It's completely unacceptable, I think. That's made me feel quite sad, weirdly, even though we're talking about massive companies and advertising, <laughs> both of which make me sad in different ways. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, if I was the guy who'd invented the Duracell bunny, I'd be really bitter about it. Yeah, and if I was an energizer, I'd always feel a bit second rate. Um, and in answer to uh, Mark's second question, which is, uh, are there any other rival companies that have done similar things to this Energizer Duracell thing? Oh, I'm guessing loads. The one I can think of that I think sort of got the furthest down the road in terms of actual legal action mm-hmm. uh, was uh, Mattel suing MGA. Now, Mattel won this this legal act. What, what is MGA? Do MGA they make are... fake Barbies or something? No, they make brats. Like, legitimately um. make Bratz massive doll franchise. The person who invented Bratz, the doll, had invented Bratz whilst he was working for Mattel and still an employee of Mattel, but he was a consultant for MGA. Oh, I bet that happens in Silicon Valley all the time. Exactly, yeah, Someone's yeah. working at Facebook and they invent a massive app and they yeah. piss off. So uh, this is what happened. Uh, the guy who invented Bratz took it to MGA and then Mattel said, hold on, you were technically working for us when you invented that. Sued them for $100 million and won. $100 million is barely anything it's to those companies, all, I think. Well, that's interesting, because yeah. brats don't really look like Barbie, and I don't... I, I haven't studied them, but I don't think brats have the hooters that Barbie has. No, 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 but it wasn't about them looking like Barbie. It's that uh, Mattel could have made brats if right. only he had taken it to them rather than MGA. Maybe they were annoyed because this employee had been slacking off at work. Yeah. Well, no, I think they were probably annoyed because they didn't make brats, which turned into this massive thing. I mean, they wouldn't have sued them if it hadn't been a successful toy, would it? I mean, imagine how many toy designing employees yeah. come up with toys all the time yeah. that flop. Well, also, presumably, if they were making Barbie, they probably, if he'd offered it to them, would have been like... Yeah. We've got Barbie. Yeah, exactly. Do they make Cindy as well? No, that's another company as well. Mm. Cindy's always been second rate, hasn't she? Poor Cindy. You say Cindy now and it doesn't even mean... Like, Barbie means a lot of things culturally, doesn't it? Yeah, you can barbecue. Use it... Yep. <laughs> no, but you can use it to talk about the sexualization of children. You can use it yep. to talk about feminism. You can use it to talk about porn. You say the word Barbie in, a, in an adult conversation yeah. and people are like, they know what that means, yeah. what that brand is. It's like gormless big tits you know, conventionally attractive, yep. but, you know, not necessarily the most positive image for young girls. You say Cindy, you have to clarify, by which I mean yeah. the doll from the 90s that people don't really have oh, anymore. I, th- I thought you were talking about uh, our friend Cindy, yeah, who's exactly. a healer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I feel a bit sorry for Cindy in that in that context. Mm, well, I don't, I don't think she could ever be Barbie now. I don't think she could have then, but then she was launched as a Barbie knockoff, so it's not like the Energizer bunny taking over all of the battery-operated bunny mm. work. Mm. She was just trailing in the wake of Barbie. I thought Cindy was a bit more innocent than Barbie. I think it's more that Barbie is sexually provocative, isn't she? Like the electric pink and all of that. That's the that's the issue with Barbie, isn't it? That's that's why people worry about what it's saying to little girls, isn't yeah. it? Barbie is 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 uh, she's, empowered, but nonetheless she's on the pull. She's not really empowered, though. Well, that's the whole debate. Isn't yeah. It? Well, I mean, she wouldn't know what it means. Typical of a man to put words into a woman's mouth. <laughs> 
But Cindy, yeah, she's she's not even playing the game, is she? Do people even get wound up that Cindy represents an unobtainable body type to yeah, young girls? Exactly. They're like, oh, they, they don't say that about Sylvanian families either. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a perfect Sylvanian family's body type. <laughs> Fair all over. They never say that Polly Pocket encourages uh, fetishization for the diminutive. Is Polly Pocket the one with all the like locks and things? She's the, I don't know, she's the girl you can put in your pocket. I mean, what does that say about sexual well, relations? Well, that is just a rip-off of Mrs. Pepperpot anyway. That's not a toy, that's a, that's a series of books, so oh, of okay. course you wouldn't remember. Well, no, no, no. in fairness, <laughs> uh, I, I believe Polly Pocket, I think, is a whole, like, house that it's folds a into a locket. ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's not to just rip off the character, is it? Because the whole world goes in your pocket. Well, also, Mrs. Pepperpot had a normal-sized husband. Did she? That is pervy, isn't it? How would that have worked? Well, I bet she was, not, she was normal-sized most of the time. She just sometimes shrank. I mean, so she was, what, like six inches tall? Yeah but with a man who had, like, arguably a six-inch penis. That's so weird, Maybe he had it? a micropenis. <laughs> he must have. Maybe she pegged him when she was small. Yeah. Yeah. She used her full body to peg him. Maybe. <laughs> Still <laughs> disgusting, I can't isn't believe it? we're tarnishing my childhood <laughs> literary memories this Mr. way. Pepperpot was quite a good series of stories. I don't think it ever dealt with his sexual matters. Has there never been a porn version of Mrs. Pepperpot? Mrs. No, Pornypot or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, most of you have been very patient with the alterations to this podcast this year. Well, that's what you think. You haven't been receiving the genitals in the post. That's fan mail, isn't it, for you? (laughs) Uh, Most of you have been fine with the fact that we've gone fortnightly, but a few of you have been a little whiny. We suggest that you split the podcast in two, listen to one half one week, Mm. second half the second week, just like we were weekly, like like, the old days. Like we are a chocolate bar and you are Charlie Bucket. Yeah. Yeah, although, I mean, he rationed it much more carefully than that that's right and he spread it between his grandparents which we wouldn't necessarily recommend with our content yeah, look, I'll take the first five minutes then Grandpa Joe you can have the last <laughs> ten so we thought just to ease your progress we'd have a little intermission in the middle of the show yeah. so you can stop listening now and then start again at this point next week okay alright and now ladies and gentlemen we proudly present the intermission brought to you by Answer Me This episode 57 it's not abnormal though to have slightly greyish or yellow semen particularly if you've not ejaculated for a while oh that's uh, that's the kind of advice that only sounds brilliant when you deliver it Helen protein without a blood supply to colour it will appear white oh it's lovely isn't it you wouldn't know what she was talking about listeners semen is is largely composed of amino acids i.e. proteins it's lovely it's like dictionary corner but for wanking that was the intermission and for more vintage answer me this fun be sure to visit answermethisstore.com Here's a question from Pat from Canada, who says, Ollie, you've mentioned that you've recently moved into a new home. Congratulations. Thank you, Pat. Ollie, answer me this. When people visit your home for the first time, do you automatically give them a tour? Well, yeah, but not like the milkman or something. But yeah, if, <laughs> if a friend visits for the first time, I think that's expected, isn't well, it? Otherwise, they might not know where the loo is and they might go into your bedroom and piss in there. <laughs> but also, we live in a very small little cottage, so the tour really involves, see that up the stairs? Yeah, well, that's the bedroom. That's it. That's the tour, really. <laughs> so yeah. it's not a particularly lengthy tour. Yeah. And also, I think... Um, it's sort of uh, respecting the fact that people have travelled to get to my house. It's not like they tend to very often be in the neighbourhood, so I think no. it's the least I can do. Also, your tour, if it's a fine day, could encompass the garden and the view from the garden. Mm. So that that's quite a good tour. 
Pat says, the reason I asked this is right. that we recently had some old friends over and they'd never seen our home where we've lived for 14 years. Uh-huh. So, we wow. haven't, so we haven't given anyone a tour for many, many years. Well, I think that's a good reason to give a tour. Yeah. You well, know, keep it lively, keep it fresh. Reassess your own home as viewed through the yes. eyes of stranger. Yes. I often find when I come back from holiday, even if I've only been away for a weekend, you look at the house through fresh eyes. Yeah, so small. Yeah. Pat says, I think my husband wanted to show off to his old high school friend. As we have teenagers, I don't clean their rooms anymore and it would have been hard to get them to tidy up prior to this visit. So I told my husband to keep it to the main floor and backyard. That's a mistake, Pat. I think people can... Um, they can understand. Exactly. They can contextualise teenagers' bedrooms. I think tour of main floor and grounds is ample, though. Well, actually, I disagree. I, I always like to see every okay. room. Every okay. Room. Well, I, I'm, I'm interested in every room. I'm interested in the way it's furnished. I, I, yeah. I project myself into them. I think, oh, if I lived here, what yeah. would it be like if I got up in the morning in this bed? How would I feel? Yeah. So, Ollie... Answer me this, when do you give people a tour and when is it just showing off? I think generally it's not showing off. I think generally it's fine. If they're showing interest, and especially if you've got many fascinating artefacts, that would be showing off though if you're going and uh, here is our original Warhol. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've even taken to giving people tours of the LBC studios now uh, because uh, Mm -hmm. LBC's parent company, Global, run pretty much every commercial radio station in London. So they've got Heart... Classic Capital, FM, Classic, XFM. Gold. Yeah. There's a particular point in the corridor as well where there's a sofa where you sit and you can hear virtually all of those radio stations at the same time. Yeah, that's not a pleasant That, that way madness lies. Um, Too many noises. But, you know, it's quite a trendy sort of funky building. So when people... So like my parents, for example, I wanted to give them the tour. There's a sixth floor roof terrace which gives you a skyline over the Houses of Parliament and you can see the London Eye. That's cool. Uh, you're on level with Nelson. You're eye to eye with Nelson on his column. You get a very unusual view of Leicester Square. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, and it has a toilet up there as well. well and when is it I, open air? When I don't know, it's just adjacent. But uh, when I took my parents there at night, about eight o'clock at night, showed them the roof terrace, um, we were sitting on the roof terrace and one of the big cheeses came out of his office and walked past at the exact moment my dad went for a shit. I mean, it couldn't have been right. time better. My dad went to use the facility next to his office yeah. and then he came out. But what's, what's bad about that? People need to function. Because you don't want to be the guy who brings their parents... It's embarrassing enough showing your parents to this shiny building. Your that parents, this person maybe. Works yeah, and then your dad goes for a poo at the moment that the boss comes out. That is embarrassing. It's, yeah. not, it's not the way you want to introduce yourself, is it? Can't take them anywhere, can you, parents? <laughs> Here's a question from Alice, who says, I was making sushi this evening, and when I was adding the sushi vinegar to the rice, I noticed that it smells exactly the same as regular vinegar, and it looks the same as white vinegar. It's all vinegar, baby. Yeah, you would, you would think it was. Uh, so, Helen, answer me this. What's so special about sushi vinegar, ap- uh, apart from the fact it's used in sushi? Well, sushi vinegar is uh, made of rice. And also has salt and sugar added, whereas ordinary white vinegar is just distilled, um, like cheap grains, like malt. So or maize. how comes it does smell and taste so similar, and why make well, a point well, of vinegar, choosing a different one? This, this, the thing that makes vinegar vinegar is presumably ethanoic acid, which is going to be common to any kind of vinegar, whatever it's made from, whether it's wine or cider or yeah. something else. But I think the vinegars do smell different, so I think maybe Alice just does not have a very sophisticated vinegar nose. I suppose, in a way, it's kind of like, you know how everyone's bin is different, and yet they all smell of bins. Everyone's got slightly different fragrance, but yeah. you can identify it as what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's a type of vinegar, which in itself makes sense, because it's like a rotting thing, isn't it? Like a bin <laughs> or a toilet. It's a thing that's, you know, dying and developing, mm. maturing. 
I think I preferred vinegar before we just... Uh... <laughs> well, it's just oxidising alcohol, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not like decaying or rotting in the sense there's bacteria in it. It's just a chemical reaction. Here's a question from Melinda, who says, Helen, answer me this. How the hell do they make a Terry's chocolate orange? <laughs> Let's face it, it's a stroke of genius that made chocolate into a fruit. Give Terry's the Nobel Prize. Helen, answer me this. Do they, A, make the segments and stick them together with more chocolate? Yes. But, oh, oh Go, really? do, do the rest though. Do the yeah, rest well, of the multiple choice. Well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll add a bit of mystery to it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I actually, I thought it was B. So uh, you know, oh, well, we can still have B? the discussion. Well, oh, you're going to find out, Martin. B. Make the sphere of chocolate and then somehow chop little slices into it. Oh, dream oh, on. That's, oh, that's, that's what I that thought. That sphere is virtually impenetrable, no. and also the, the chocolate segments have got little indentations to suggest oranginess. Yes, that's true. Well, what about C? Where they cast the whole thing in one piece, but they have some sort of dividers in the cast, so. So that, that they it's made in the one chocolate, piece. Yeah. That is really not as simple as option A. Well, option no, C, as she put it, was none of the above. Option A. Right. Uh, so the segments are made flat, I assume, and then they assemble them into the sphere. They pour chocolate down the middle, which is why you get that chocolate pith, which I think is the, the funnest the bit, bit to eat. That's the best bit. It's the best bit, but it does taste the same as all the other bits, so I don't know why it is the best. I've got an amazing texture. Here is a question from Elliot, who says, Helen, answer me this. Why do they put rings in bulls' noses? Seems pretty obvious. And, and by they, I think he means farmers, I suppose, and people who run circuses. People who work as piercers in Camden Market. Yeah, well, anyone who tends a bull. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought this is obvious. So that It's not you... obvious to me. Is it to help you drag the animal along? Well, sort of, yeah. It's to control the bull because bulls are, are rather... They're notoriously difficult. Yeah, yeah. strong, <laughs> yeah. dangerous animals. Mm. But if they've got a piece of metal through the very delicate tissue of the nose, they're less likely to flail around and kick you to death. But, but why? Because uh, you put a piece of rope through the ring right. and then you can uh, tether them around. Such a horrible way to be led around. Imagine yeah, having yeah, a bit awful. of rope through your nose. Yeah, no, but I do have nightmares. I don't wear dangly earrings very much because I'm so worried about one of them, say, catching on my collar and ripping my earlobe open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't like this treatment. No, although I suppose, I mean, I'm not a bull, just to point out the obvious. If, mm. if someone controlled me, I mean, I wouldn't like this. No. But I'm just saying if, if I had to have some sort Prince of... Prince Albert. <laughs> no. Nipple ring. No, I'd rather have it. I was going to say necklace. Like the human equivalent would be if someone put a necklace around, it would be annoying, but it would be relatively humane compared to where they could put it. Uh, also, there's another putative reason. It encourages the bulls to wean because the mothers don't like breastfeeding a creature that has a ring through their face because it hurts. Hmm. So it gets them off the breast milk quicker. That sounds a bit cruel. Why is that an advantage when you're raising a bull? Probably because you can take it away and do bull things with it sooner. Yeah. Yeah, but you'd think... You don't want them to be mummy's bulls, do you? At my village fate, my hotcakes sell like hotcakes. I want to expand my business beyond the school gates. So I make so much money, my wallet would fill a lake. Or a reservoir would do. With Squarespace.com, you can build an e-commerce website. Track your hotcake orders and take safe payments through Stripe. Your hotcakes are so hot, they'll set the internet alarm. Selling like hotcakes, do you see? Thank you very much to Squarespace uh, for financing this episode of Answer Me This, and particularly as they advertise during the Super Bowl, and yet they're still dabbling with our little cottage industry. As of now as well, this is the exciting change they announced uh, during the Super Bowl. Uh, you can now use their commerce platform, regardless of which level 
of Squarespace membership you buy. Oh, really? So you can get the cheapest and you can build yourself a nice store like what you did. Exactly. So yes, uh, if you would like to try out Squarespace's excellent design uh, templates so that you can make your own website, uh, go to squarespace.com. It's free for the trial. You don't even have to put in your credit card or anything. But then if you do want to pay for it and you like it, uh, use the code ANSWER2 as in the word answer and the number two, to get 10% off. Since we're talking about the Super Bowl, Mm. here is a question about Bruno Mars, Mm. entertainer of the Super Bowl, uh, from Ryan, (laughs) who says, my mum offered me the chance to see Bruno Mars live with one of my friends. Wow, that's good. And as a regular 18-year-old male, I had never been more happy about anything ever. That's interesting. I wasn't sure how Bruno Mars ranked with 18-year-old males. I like Bruno Mars, and therefore I thought maybe he wasn't cool. Yeah, but you have the sensibilities of a 14-year-old girl in so many ways. Exactly. So again, would that be cool to an 18-year-old male? Apparently so. Ryan may be atypical, but then maybe most people are. Well, he's saying that most 18-year-old males, regular 18-year-old males, would be thrilled. Yeah, well, he said I'd never been more happy about anything ever, so... Mm. Maybe he uh, has never experienced sexual pleasure. <laughs> uh, maybe, or maybe he'd just go out of his way to go and see Bruno Mars. Maybe he'd catch a grenade to go and watch Bruno Mars. Well, here's the problem, though, Ollie. In a way, he would be catching a grenade because oh. Ryan says there's a small hole in the idea of going to a live performance and it's that I suffer from photosensitive epilepsy. I did not see that curveball coming. Mm. Seemed like such a happy story. He did. Everything <laughs> was turning up Ryan until this. <laughs> because of my unbelievable fear of having a seizure at a concert and pissing myself, <laughs> I declined the offer. Oh. But my mum said the offer was always there. And after seeing a few videos of him in concert, the idea of not going is killing me. Yeah, well, the, actually, the Super Bowl oh. stuff obviously hasn't helped because it was... Did you, have you seen Bruno Mars at the Super Bowl? I haven't, but I heard good. It was good. It was good. Even though the Red Hot Chili Peppers were there too. Well, it, I, really? the thing is, it was a surprise to see the Chili Peppers. Not an obvious overlap. Not an obvious no. overlap. And the fact that they're now... Did they do a duet? Yeah, well, they came on and went, me, 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 me. And he just sort of nodded next to them. Yeah, he's used to that. He's seen the Muppets. Um, <laughs> but it was... What was cool is they're still shirtless, even though they're now, I imagine, 80. So that was... <laughs> Looking that was, good on it. Yeah, it, was, it was quite nice. And also the, the performance... Start, whatever you think of Bruno Mars, and I happen to like him and think he's very talented, it started with him doing a drum solo for two minutes, which wow. is an audacious way for any pop star to start, es- I think. Especially when one is accustomed to him playing the piano. Exactly. Maybe playing and, a guitar. And not just a drum solo, but a drum solo in which the... Uh, he was on a kind of throne of drums that moved from the centre of the stadium whilst wow. he was playing it up to the stage. Then he got up and did the splits. I mean, that's... The splits? That's, you know, like I say, whatever you think of him, at least he was really putting the effort in. That's okay. Yeah. Well, no wonder Ryan is so keen to go, despite <laughs> the photosensitive epilepsy. Yeah. Ryan says, Ollie, answer me this. Should I say fuck it and mm. go and see my favourite musician with the constant fear of suddenly doing a fish out of water impression halfway through the concert? Mm. Or should I blow the whole thing aside? Or should I, should I just stay at home and say, today I don't feel like going to see... I'm just going to play in my pants. Um, <laughs> That's an option for That's every day. Yeah. Uh, I'm not uh, particularly comfortable with being in the position of offering medical advice here. No. Um, so may I put the caveat on this if if our future lawyers are listening that I made it very clear at the time. Yes, me and, and I. Yes. I, I, in fact, I Don't think... listen to what I'm about to say. Oh, oh no, what is it? Well, no, just I, I think you should probably risk it, but I, I mean, that is not medical advice. I think you should consult your doctor Doctor Ryan, because your doctor will be better versed in the dangers of this venture than we will. But also, they might have some techniques to help you deal with it. Yeah. Um, because I've read that covering one eye mm. can massively reduce the chance of having fits because you're reducing the number of uh, 
brain nerve endings that can get overstimulated by this sort well, of thing that's right yeah because of course you know there's advice out there for people that aren't just planning to go and see things where they know there's going to be strobe lights like a bruno mm. mars concert but who yeah. accidentally stumble across it one day well even even if there are no lights as part of the show the audience will be taking pictures with their phones that's when we true. look at flashing lights all the time it's that's, hard not to avoid. Be, that's not going to be as bright though is it it can set people off just the the twinkly lights it's about how close you are to it so if someone's using a flash right next to you that is as bad as the the mm. one from the stage coming there are anti-epilepsy drugs now i don't know if you're on drugs mm. and i don't know if they work temporarily so consult your gp um, <laughs> as so, so do consult your gp but it seems to me like it should be possible to go on a course of drugs for a month beforehand which should mm. prepare you if you're also looking away with your hand over your eye yeah. however at what point do you say your enjoyment of the concert is being limited by all these ridiculous things or just even the fear of it happening yeah, even if yeah. it doesn't happen but if you do go i think maybe contact the venue and see if you could be situated in a place where it's easy to get out if you need to because if you're in one of these massive venues which i'd imagine is what bruno mars plays you might be in a sea of people whereas you want to be able to exit and be not surrounded if you have to so i can ask a very very naive question like do concert promoters not think of this anymore there must be a fair few people who have fair sense of not many not many i I think tiny amount of people compared to like even the amount of people that are in wheelchairs you know they provide for them but when you talk about people with photosensitive epilepsy it only affects mainly people under 30 anyway Fifty thousand people in a venue there must be what a dozen people in that in that audience? yes yeah but the point is they don't necessarily know they've got it until they yeah. have a fit oh, and, yeah. and yeah. also the venues do say contains flashing lights etc so, so they're like warning contains traces of peanuts they're saying this isn't our problem if you if you want to maximize your chances of not having a fit as well don't go tired and don't drink booze while you're there but if as you say a photosensitive epilepsy reduces over time just go to see bruno mars in 30 years not that it's much of a substitute but in case you were thinking you know what I won't risk Bruno Mars I'll go and watch Stephen Ward the new Andrew Lloyd Webber musical instead because <laughs> those two are probably the Definitely. hot favourites for an 18 well, year old hey, boy look, my tastes apparently align very much with an 18 year old boy yeah. uh, don't go and see that no? because it's a good show I mean do go and see it and there are if, flashy lights if you've got photosensitive epilepsy and I, I didn't notice I mean I don't look for them but I didn't notice any signs saying there's strobe lighting in this show and part two of Stephen Ward begins with a press pack of paps Ooh. with flashbulbs aimed at the audience. Whoa. Like suddenly 50 flashbulbs going Hang off. On. And I did think they are asking for trouble with it. Mm. Ryan, here's an idea. Go to Stephen Ward, leave in the interval, but then sue them because they didn't warn about the flashing lights in the second half. Yes, and use the millions that you can generate. To find a miracle cure and go and see Bruno Mars. I was going to say to fund a private concert with Bruno Mars. He'd probably do that, wouldn't he? They all do these dodgy private gigs. Maybe Bruno Mars will do a daytime gig in somewhere like Hyde Park and then the flashing lights wouldn't really be a problem. That's a very sensible solution, but it... It It does involve booking Bruno Mars for Hyde Park. Bruno Mars, if you're listening to the podcast, (laughs) can you do an afternoon gig? Because the thing is, Bruno Mars, let's say he played Glastonbury, which is conceivable. Absolutely. I'd imagine he'd be not the headliner, but also not anything less than the support. I reckon he'd be the big act on the Saturday afternoon, wouldn't he? No, I think he'd be support to the big act on the Saturday night so I think he'd right, t- the okay. point being After the sun still would have set or it would be mm-hmm. setting during his acts he's still got the same issue ask Bruno Mars to take <laughs> a worse slot at Glastonbury maybe you could do a gig in the Arctic Circle during the summer perfect I feel very good that we nailed that problem yeah. and uh, <laughs> so what better time to end the show but please do send us questions for future shows and all of our contact details are on our website answermethispodcast.com also on there our albums and our old episodes that's right and remember uh, that uh, as of now uh, you can listen to my radio show every night from 1am uh, on a weekday but not Ooh. only in London on FM but now as of this week on DAB nationally uh, so if you're Ooh. anywhere in the UK you can now listen to LBC nationally I will be your sonic companion from one in the morning and if you're anywhere else in the world that does not have severely restricted internet you can just listen to me on there if you want 
Yeah. Why wouldn't you? That's right. Yeah. And there's an app yeah. and there's all sorts of things. Yeah. But anyway. And you can also listen to me on the, the Spark London podcast. I'm doing one of those story podcasts where you tell a story, a story about your own life. Yeah. Which is difficult for me because I don't do anything. Give really. us the headline of the story without revealing the content of the story. Oh, well, that's hard. In fact, people who've been listening to the podcast since the beginning will have heard They'll some have heard of this story. A bit of it, yeah. The pricey of the story is why I've never been to the funeral of any of my four grandparents. That's that's a great headline. That's great. Yeah. I don't think you've just ruined it at all. I think that's, no. that's mm. a good headline. But if I told you what the story was about, I think you would want to listen to it. But then, where would the surprise then, be exactly yeah so yep. spark london podcast for that uh lbc for my radio show and martin uh you could get the existential meltdown album existential meltdown.bandcamp.com i got a retweet from mary beard the other day mary beard. You? wow that's yeah, really yeah, good yeah, yeah. because really finally good. someone had said something nice about mary beard on twitter <laughs> <laughs> she's like i'm not gonna let this slip we name check her in, in the uh, in the album so yeah she got she got a shout out well if you want a song about mary beard who doesn't don't answer that uh, <laughs> then that's where you can find that good okay well that wraps up uh, this episode and we shall see you in two weeks time bye, bye.